0: Again, head on over to FreedadCourse.com, get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Dory One, this is Fire Team Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I'm your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to bonus episode number two. Been a hot minute since I've done a bonus episode, but I want to get back into a regular rhythm. of providing these extra bonuses in between the weekly episodes that we already bring you. And with Nick Maytash and uh, Mike today, we don't disappoint. And Nick Maytash is a men's life coach that I met on the internet about a year ago and had been following his content, just finished his book, Moving Past Mediocre, that came out in May. And with that, I wanted to bring him on the podcast to talk about emotions, which is something that most veterans and active duty uh, members don't deal with. We suppress and we don't really want to understand what they're telling us. We want to pretend that they're not there. And Nick has a very good perspective on how to work through those and how to understand them and really how can we drive those to create the, the person that inside that we feel, but maybe we don't feel like we're fully being every day when we wake up. So without further ado, I want to jump right into this episode with Nick Maytash. Today on the show, we have a special guest, Nick Maytash. He is a husband, father, and men's life coach and author of the recently released book, Moving Past Mediocre unlocking your mind to create the life you've always imagined. He deeply believes in human potential and strives to help husbands, fathers, and all men become the man they desire to be. Nick, thank you for coming on the show tonight.
1: Ben, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to uh, enjoy the conversation
0: here. And I feel like watching you on Facebook for a year, like this is almost like a, a hero moment. Like I'm getting to talk to the guy that I've only saw on Facebook a few times, and, or so, many times, and I've only talked to you in real life for a few times.
1: Well, that means a lot. I'm I'm glad that uh, anything that rambles around between my ears is meaningful enough that that you want to have another conversation with me. So uh, yeah, I really look forward to it.
0: No, you didn't scare me away. If anything, it's always, uh, I'm always interested how you can say, sometimes it's the same thing, but you'll, you'll be able to say it three different ways and it'll mean something different to every one of those people. Sure. Go ahead and answer the question we always ask every dad who comes on the podcast. And, and since you're not a veteran, but this will still come this resonate with you because I'm sure your daughter that you have is still a process of coming home. When you hear the words come home, what do those words mean to you?
1: Man, home for me is it's like the, the deepest and and most tangible way for me to experience love. And I'm sure we're going to get into this throughout the conversation but my approach as a men's life coach is really to allow men to feel and really dig into their emotions embrace them and empower themselves through them because i find that most men kind of ignore them shut them down uh, turn them away in favor of being strong and stoic and so on so when it comes to me coming home, whether that be coming home from work or coming home from uh, a certain time away from them, if I you know went home to visit family because uh, I live my my family lives I should say about an hour and a half away from from where my my immediate family, my wife and my daughter live, when I come home to them after being away from them for a while, it is just it's just love just kind of flows into me. And I always have that with me, but just to see them, they don't have to say anything. They don't have to be anything. I could just sit on a couch with my daughter next to me and read her a book or sit on the couch with my wife and watch a TV show or just share a glass of wine and, and catch up after being away for a couple hours. And it's just, um, it is the, the fuel to my fire. So yeah, that is the, that's what coming home is like for me.
0: And wait till your daughter's old enough to go screaming to, towards the door at just a mile a mile per hour and uh, just screaming, Daddy. Like for me, coming home is like a rush of three kids or they're usually all in the living rooms because it's summer. So they're usually all watching TV by now. By sure. the time I get home and they're just like, Daddy, is <laughs> that you? And then they all come just screaming around the corner and hug my leg and ask me a thousand questions or want to tell me what it is. It's like a processor overload. For almost coming home for me.
1: Yeah, it is. It just melts my heart when when my daughter. If I I could be in the other room, or like if I open her door as she finishes up her nap or she's waking up in the morning, as soon as she see as soon as she sees me, she just has the biggest smile on her face and she just kind of half whispers, "Daddy,"
0: and it just. I mean, like, okay, kid, you get to have whatever you want. Whatever you want today is yours. <laughs> Sure. It, it only gets harder to say no, especially as they get cuter and especially as you just want to be there. And you, I went through a stage as parenting, uh, wanting to try to be liked and try to be their friend, which isn't a good combination because then you're not the you're not firm enough at the same time, but then you still need to be there. And it's, uh, it's an emotional soup mess there a little bit when you're trying to be a parent, but then also you want to be the person they want to be a friend with, but play with. But at the same time, you got to tell them what to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could imagine that. Uh, something to tell the listener as well. I, I am a high school teacher on top of being a men's life coach. So to, to your point about knowing where to draw the line of authority figure and friend slash, you know, just person that they can trust and love and so on. Uh, I remember early in my teaching career, that was a problem for me. I, I wanted to be the teacher that everybody liked. I wanted to be the cool, the cool guy, one. the young guy that, that everybody just vibed with. And it definitely made it much harder to do my job. Um, It's not to say that I had to be a jerk for myself to get across. I just had to find kind of a a healthy mix. I had to show them where lines were, where boundaries were, and then also let them know that I was there for them and, and wanted to help them and so on and so forth. So luckily, I've kind of gone through that a little bit with the teaching that I hope I know it's my own blood now, so it's going to be a little bit different, but I hope that as she gets older, I can be conscious of where the boundaries need to be so that she understands where um, they shouldn't be crossed and, and what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong and so on and so forth. But we'll see. I mean, I sit here, she's 16 months old. So when she's 16 years old, who knows? I don't know
0: the 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 problem won't be when she's 16 the problem is when she's 5 going on 16 because when they're 5 they nowadays they've almost developed a teenager like attitude sometimes when they're 5 my daughter's 7 and she's 7 going on 16 like she's got the sass she's got the she's smart enough to figure things out uh, she's 7 years old and she's putting together a 500 piece puzzle upstairs in her bedroom like there's things that she figures out that aren't supposed to happen at 7 and you have to try to deal someone that doesn't necessarily understand how to regulate their own emotions, but at the same time, you got to have boundaries. It's, it only goes, it's only gets more complicated, but you at least created some slight awareness to the problem before it actually creates a problem. A a slight edge.
1: A slight edge. We'll see how it actually plays out, but I'm hoping that that skill set in my back pocket actually does uh, bring value to that, but we'll see. Like I said, I'm I'm much earlier in the game uh, than, than you are. And we're, Probably most dads listening to this are so. Some of them may be snickering and and laughing. (laughs) He's sixty; she's sixteen months. You have no idea. We'll see.
0: Yeah, it's easy to spoil them now, and it gets even worse when you have more kids because then you're dividing everything among each other, and then it's not. That's not fair. That's not fair. Yeah, sure. I could imagine that. Yeah. So, just this past, what day was the day you launched your book? Was it? January? Was, no, no. The book has Le- only been out since May. May. Uh, I'm way backwards.
1: Yeah, it was It was late May that uh, it, it finally hit Amazon and, and went out there into the world. And so then now it's been a couple, yeah, a, about a month and a half, two months that uh, it's been out there. And it's been really, really cool to, because it was something I worked on for eight months to a year, to put it in people's hands and be vulnerable enough to to allow them to get a sense of who i was cuz there's a lot of my own personal stories you know mixed throughout the book along with some lessons that i've learned from them and trying to use them as as teachable moments not that i have gone through a, a ton of heartbreak and a ton of tragedy it's just that everyday things that we all go through and relate to i wanted to use that from my life to allow people to see that in their own so that they could build upon that and, and really start to create some change in their life and so there was it was a vulnerable book to put out because of all of that and it's been really cool to see the response from that and the support from that and i just look forward to more people finding, to get more people getting their hands on it and digging into it because it's, it's been a really cool ride
0: i just wrapped it up when i was in florida on vacation and what i liked about it most was it was just like enough serendipity of your life but then the right amount of spice with advice and perspective, and then just enough footsteps in front of you of laying down a path to follow through, to get forward through with whatever someone was dealing with. Like It wasn't too heavy, but it wasn't too light, and it was just enough to get you to kind of wake up and say, hey, start walking that direction.
1: Well, I appreciate the feedback, man. It, uh, it really means a lot that the way that I wanted to craft the book comes across. It wasn't just like I was... I didn't want to stand on a pedestal and act like I had it all figured out because I don't. I didn't want to just make it a memoir and just tell people about my life because it wouldn't, it wouldn't resonate and help people if I just talked about my life. So I wanted it to be a healthy mix that people could see themselves in and then use that as a, as a handbook
0: of sorts to, to make some change in their life. And yeah, so I really, really appreciate that. When you started crafting the idea of moving past mediocre – What point were you at in your life?
1: So the idea of moving past mediocre for me, it came, so it all kind of stemmed from after I got married, I looked at my life and I wouldn't say that my life at that point was mediocre. Like you read the book. So my point of mediocrity was actually before I met my wife, where I was kind of going through the motions. I was dating a girl that. I knew wasn't going to be it for me. I was in a job that I didn't really like. I was going to the gym, but I wasn't intentional about going to the gym, all of these things. That was my mediocre moment several years before. But when I got married, I kind of looked around and, and really wanted to make sure that the life that my wife and I had was one that we both enjoyed and didn't feel stressed about and really could sink our teeth into and, and know that we've done everything that we could. And, um, at the time I was only, I was a teacher and i think most people have heard that teachers don't get paid an astronomical amount we're not exactly making doctor's wages and i just kind of felt like there was a bit of a ceiling financially so i wanted to do something that honored my gifts as a communicator of things that people may not understand and i put that to play in terms of creating this blog of moving past mediocre and the reason that I called it that was because I wasn't at a low point in my life. And in the book, I talk about this too, that you know, rock bottom does not need to be a requirement for someone to make change. Because at that point in my life, I certainly wasn't at rock bottom. I had just gotten married to the love of my life and I'm still crazy about her. But I knew that I wanted to make more of what we had. It wasn't mm-hmm. like I was, my back wasn't against the wall. It was just that I wanted to do something from that point to make it even better. And I sensed that looking around at, at, you know, friends, family, other people that I had just communicated with that there wasn't a lot of people that were in such a dark place that they were kind of hitting that rock bottom, needing to turn around. There was a lot of people that were just kind of stuck in the mud that could use some advice to shake some of it and find ways to to live a little bit lighter and not, uh, you know, carry baggage that they've been carrying for a very long time or, Uh, you know, see a little bit of hope and not just look out in the next 30 years, 40 years and think this is going to be my life on repeat for the next 30 years. I wanted to kind of learn enough that I could give back to those people and say like, you do not need to run up into a brick wall to realize that things can change. You're in a place right now that things can change. You don't have to wait until that, that, you know, on your knees moment occurs and obviously from from my standpoint from my life i never had that moment i never got to that place i just got to a place where i i knew i wanted more i was a little frustrated about being a bit stuck and learned a lot to to build myself past that so now i just kind of look back to the men that i coach and the people that i communicate with and and do my best to to give them what i got from others and from books and so on that allowed me to, to step out of that and really start living a life that I can enjoy and, and wake up to and love. So that was where the premise of it that, that was born from was knowing that I wanted more, but I knew I wasn't in a place where I was struggling. I just knew I, I wanted something different, something fresh, something that I could really enjoy wholeheartedly without worrying about the next paycheck and so on and so forth.
0: There was something that was coming to my mind as you were describing that mediocre that I've talked to a few military veteran dads and often the narrative that's uh, repeated, but I've talked to more here on the active duty that there is some sense of a plan based on the military and based on some jobs and requirements that there's like this, almost this blueprint of your life that you have to live. And most of it is around being just a provider and serving your country. Well, being a provider and, making sure your family has food on the table and they get into this idea that it's more of just a rat race. And this, this idea of just rinse and repeating the same thing that I've heard in people's voice essentially what you describe in your book is just that idea that there's got to be more to life than waking up every day and doing the same routine. Like that just isn't meaningful anymore, but veterans, because we aren't an active duty, we aren't, In touch with our emotions, the military programs us to keep them on lockdown because emotions get you killed in the battlefield. And if you pause to feel something, someone's going to die. But at the same time, those feelings are really where your compass comes from to move you out of that. Yeah. Does that spark any ideas uh, or comment on that? Yeah.
1: I mean, I could definitely see how emotions could be not a detriment, but I would assume that, yes, military, the way that you guys are trained and and built up are – uh, it's got to be tactical and less emotional. It's got to be about the job and not about all the emotions that might be coming with that. You don't want to come with fear. you don't want to come with anxiety, you want to come with the goods to get it done. you know. And I could also assume that it's probably hard to turn that mindset off because when you are in the military and that's what works and that's what you trust, and that's the the system that you are working in um, when you come home from that whether it's in between um, your, your you know, active duty things or, or if it's you know, coming out of the, the military and, and you're a veteran, turning that switch of um, your emotions back on and opening that valve, that can be very, very scary because you've ignored them for so long. And if I'm over here saying like your emotions are powerful, your emotions are something that can be your compass like you said, you're like, I haven't done this in a while. I don't really know what that's going to do to me. And something that I talked about in the book was when you get so familiar with something, even if it's not optimal, so if you're not feeling your emotions, even though that might not be the best thing for you, you're so familiar with it, that the idea of doing something different is scarier than staying in that mindset. Does that make sense?
0: It's almost, I've recently been framing it as, as, I've heard a couple and it's triggered this thought to connect it. It's a bit like Stockholm syndrome with your emotions. So it's not like an abuser, but it is this unhealthy relationship with something that's negative, but your brain perceives it as just a normal state that you're safe in,
1: yeah, even though I mean,
0: it's not safe at all.
1: Right. I mean, humans, we have this amazing and also not so amazing gift of normalizing anything. We can normalize fear, we can normalize joy, we can normalize love, we can normalize hate. And if we stay in a certain state of being for a a long enough time, it becomes normal, it becomes familiar, and anything outside of that becomes difficult because we're so used to what we're used to. And what I would say to to any veteran dad or any military man that, that has kids, I can't imagine not feeling your emotions when you have these little ones that, that share your last name, that share your DNA. Um, and, you know, it's, it's important for you to, con- in terms of connecting with your family when you come home, although it might feel uncomfortable, although it might feel like this isn't what the military told me to do in terms of how to, to operate, when you're home, your job is not tactical. Your job is to be open and vulnerable and, uh, loving with your, your wife and your kids and, and being there and treating that as the mission, almost like you would treat any other mission in the field, knowing that emotions can be a tactic. It can be the, the thing that you open up with the thing that you bring as your, the weapon of choice, as the weapon of choice. And it can be such a gift to your family, sure, but it can be a gift to you too because you can be home and you can be present and you can actually be there and not be worried about other things and, and caught up in that rational side of your mind that wants to talk about the tactible, tactical and go back to all of the things that you've learned in the military and, and how to operate. You can bring the love and you can bring the joy and you can bring you know the fun and the freedom back home as your weapon of choice, and that can just—it'll allow you to step into your your home and experience it in a way that just feels more full. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm. I think something else we do because we aren't processing those emotions is we close off our heart to receive any love. So, like that, that, what you talked about when you come home and like you don't know how not to just receive that love of your daughter, and at the same time, a military veteran or active duty member when they come home. Sometimes their their mindset of protection to keep them safe will put a barrier between that love, and that it almost builds this energy of resistance of pushing each other apart, or like you're just you're afraid to to step into that version of yourself almost.
1: Yeah, I think um, that love comes with vulnerability. You have to have the risk of someone getting hurt physically or emotionally. And in order to have that, that, that openness, that's going to be part of it. Like you have to be willing to be a little bit defenseless or let them be defenseless, not so much physically. Like we don't need to just, you know, loosen the reins and and let them run wild, but emotionally, it's going to take you to open up and be willing to do that. Um, I think one of the, the, worst things that can happen in terms of shutting off the emotional side of you is when you go long enough without feeling something that you, your soul wants to feel like I, I I deeply believe and this is how I operate with my clients is we kind of dig deep and figure out what are the emotions that mean something to you? So, you know, it could be love, it could be freedom. It could be uh, peace. It could be joy. And there's several, you know, tasks and activities that we do to to kind of dig into that. But once we come to a conclusion of what those emotions are for for my clients, I I kind of communicate to them that if you go long enough without feeling this thing that your soul is kind of calling you to to experience, that's going to produce this this angst inside you. It's going to produce this like internal conflict because you've gone so long without the thing that your soul needs. I know it kind of may sound woo woo in
0: the moments as I'm speaking this, but if that feeling is real, I know what many veterans feel that because it's, they don't know what to call it. They don't know what to label it. They just know when they walk into their home, it's, they just feel an internal resistance to be there.
1: Internal resistance to like physically, to physically be there because of the anxiety almost. Okay, talk to me a little bit about the anxiety, though. Like, what are they anxious about? Because there's no control over it. There's no control over their emotional
0: self? No, there's no control over the household. Like, maybe the kids are crazy, maybe the wife had a hard day, and they're coming from a place where there's military and order. Or maybe even when they came home from uh, a war, there is this idea that everything was pretty much a routine every day. And when they come home, the idea of stepping almost into someone else's emotional state, which is the advice I give on the podcast, like meet your family where they are emotionally. Don't try to bring them to where you are because it won't create a healthy relationship. Sure. But yet there's that internal resistance to open up to, again to, to, to receive that. Almost, net, I think that lack of control over how to handle it creates that internal anxiety, which then almost as a protection, we retreat again to maybe hide at work or volunteer for the next duty assignment because we don't know how to be at home
1: yeah. Well, it sounds like you've had enough conversations with these these men that um, they're aware of this, this kind of internal conflict,
0: right? Some at different levels. One of them I've, I've talked to and they just knew that there was a, something off. Other times they know the what, but they don't really know the, the what to do with it or how to fix it or how to resolve it. So it's all different kind of levels of awakening, I would almost say. Some of it comes from what you talk about and we can dive into next. Is is in the military is even it's super worse because there's these default versions of masculinity. Uh, I remember sure. your Facebook Live of the masculine version of swinging a hammer, and when you talk about in the book that you're just like I'm just not that guy, and that's a version that I've let go. But in the military, there is a version. Like I've met people that uh, when I told them I was Marine, they also knew before that that I was kind of emotional. I would cry and things bothered me, and they'd be like it's not a Marine. And I'm like, I hate to bust your poster board version in your head, but Marines do cry. But at the same time, like even for me, like that wasn't something I was comfortable being when I was a Marine. I had to be a good runner. I had to be good at pull-ups. I had to love going to the gym and I had to love all the things Marine Corps wanted me to love. But at the same time that created this anxiety internally because that's not me. And we're trying to, in some cases, depending on whether maybe you fit the poster board masculinity or not, that creates a version that you're like an identity you really don't even understand or you're comfortable in. And then you're trying to come home and be in another identity that you're still trying to figure out. And that also creates a lot of conflict.
1: Yeah, I could imagine that for sure. And, and yeah, true to your point, the, I mean, I joke about it now, but there was, and there still is moments where I, uh, I run up against the idea that I'm not a handyman, and I, I, my ego struggles with it a little bit because I, I say in the in the book, like my father-in-law built his own furniture straight up, like he makes his own furniture, and he can fix anything, and he's helped us a, a lot in our house to to repair it. My dad is kind of like. He, he fixes anything within the means of what he has around him. Like he literally fixed the muffler of my car with a beer can. I don't know how, but he did. And like, I just don't have that sense to to fix things or nor do I want to. I would much rather, you know, write books or coach my, my clients. That's kind of my zone of genius, if you will. And it took me a long time of of running up against moments where I couldn't do these traditionally manly things to, to say to myself, like, I don't have to be an expert at this. I am an expert in certain things that other people aren't. And if I'm not giving my energy to what I'm good at, what I feel like I'm good at, and I'm trying to waste all my time learning how to use a hammer well, I mean, I can hammer stuff, but it it doesn't do anyone a service by me trying to raise the standard of my handymanness. So... In terms of what you're saying with the, the military, Des, there is this sense, I would assume, of of who you have to be in the military. You have to be strong and stoic and not emotional and all of these things, and you have to fit into that box. And the inter- internal conflict when you don't fit into that box, I could also assume is, is quite daunting. And when you remove the box, when you come home, it should be a, a gift that you can now step back into who you really feel at home as but you you spend so much time in training and doing all of that that allowing yourself to do that can be scary but i think at least in my in my experience i'm speaking of the, the handyman thing it was such a gift to myself to say like this isn't who i am nor is it who i have to be i can be this guy and what I, the way that I kind of look at it is the people that mean the most to me that the opinions actually matter for me, my wife, my daughter, my, my in you know, immediate family, my mom, my dad, and so on, like their opinions matter to me. And I don't think that drilling something into a wall correctly is going to matter to them in terms of my worthiness to hang out and be in their presence. It's being the most me that allows them to, not allows them, but, Makes them want to be around. Me. I think also in in terms of like looking out and seeing people that we admire, we don't admire them because they are um, the most perfect man or the most perfect military person or the most perfect yet you know so on and so forth. We admire people because they fully own and fully embody who they are supposed to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, we don't we don't look at them and say they check all the boxes of this this construct that I have created in my mind. We look at people that are. The, you know, the celebrities and, and professional athletes and and people that are doing things that we think are really, really cool. We honor them because they are themselves completely and they own it and they don't shy away from it and they don't act like they shouldn't be that. So when you come home from duty and you know that the military guy that you left behind isn't really you to your family, give yourself the permission to open up and and... Again, coming back to the kind of weapon of choice idea, like what does your family need from you or what is the requirement for you to show up? Is it that you have to be the military guy that was doing all of those hard-nosed things or is it that you have to be the dad that's present or is it that you have to be the husband that helps out around the house or is it that when you come home, wife runs the show and you get to be kind of the sous chef, you know? (laughs) Find out what works within that unit just like you found out what works within the unit of the military that you were working in. It doesn't have to be that that you continue that, that process of being in that mindset of tactical and all of those things when you come back home because I promise you that's not what is valuable to the people that you care about.
0: There was an, a second question that was popping in my head there. When you have a client that maybe doesn't understand. It's called it masculine identity. Yeah. What questions or what detective mode type questions do you ask to try to peel back that onion? Because I think a lot of military veterans and active duty probably have heard masculinity within the last three years with all the talk of it, me too, and sure. everything. But the idea of what it is is still probably pretty foreign, and maybe they never heard it connected to identity, but I believe that they are, that they're still all, there's the internal energy that you are. And that's all part of the same thing. How do you peel it back to really understand? Cause I would say I didn't figure it out until even just two years ago that um, I'm an emotional guy. I connect really well to people and I give big hugs. Like that was something that I've just now recently owned in like the last year and a half. And I wasn't even something I was aware of, but then everybody kept saying like, damn, that was a good hug. And I'm like, okay, that's <laughs> something I've ever been complimented on my life. And, uh, I was on one podcast and he asked for a rapper name and I'm like, I really don't have one. But I'm like, how about big hugger B? And now this is something I'm just owning It's part of who I am. And it's something that I'm letting someone down if I don't give them a good hug. And, but that wasn't something I knew of anywhere. It was still something I just had to peel back and then just kind of fall into almost.
1: Yeah, I think the concept of masculinity has just been tossed around so much that it's hard to put a pin on it. The way that I like to see it, and the way that I like to bring my clients to the conversation is that masculinity is not something that you do, it's just something that you are and it's not that it has to fit in a certain box either. I think it's an energy that, that shows strength, but strength does not mean that you don't smile or don't cry it's strength for me comes from like being certain in who you are and owning that and not shying away from being a big hugger. Like that's strong. And and like strength also is being there for your family in a way that isn't, and we love to say like being a rock. Yes. Being a rock physically, emotionally, mentally, allowing them to feel safe in your presence. I think, a lot of men really get the physical part of it in terms of giving everybody that that uh, you care about that safety. I think that's a masculine thing. But so many of us just kind of stop with the physical, I think, emotionally and mentally.
0: We stop at the provide part. That Because I think that's generationally just what the standard was set at, that as long as you protected your family and presided, that was all you needed.
1: Right. Yeah, I think... The, the perception for most men, and I'm glad that th- this conversation is so ongoing now because I think for generations to come, it's going to get easier to, to get to the point of what masculinity is, but it's just been this kind of unconscious hand-me-down that we've gotten from generations prior, which is provide and protect. And I think, like I was just saying, it, We've limited it to the physical side of that. We've limited it to physical protection, like making sure your family is physically safe. If there's an intruder, you're taking care of it. Um, if if someone hurts themselves, you're taking care of them, yada, yada, yada. But protection also can be emotional and mental. Like if, if your daughter's having a bad day at school, she comes home crying, giving her the space and safety to tell you about it and to, to not feel judged. Um, the mental, Protection as well like if if you know your wife is having a a day where she's feeling anxious giving her the space to have that conversation with you I think that's just as masculine as protecting the home because that's going to allow and again I think the the energy of masculine is letting other people feel safe around you so that Encompasses all of those things and then with the providing stuff too We've kind of capped it at the physical side. That means make money but providing could also be providing support to the people in your family, um, not so much in the physical sense, but just being there and being present. All of these things—it's just this nuance at the other level. At another level, it's the same concept. It's still providing and protecting. But are we providing and protecting at the level that's underneath the physical? Is it—is it just the money that we're bringing in and the physical protection that we have? I know that's the traditional masculine way that we've just kind of been handed. But showing up in a way that we can do that uh, mentally and emotionally for our, our people, our, our families, is what kind of makes the difference, at least in my opinion. So when I have these conversations with, with the men that I coach, we kind of talk about the traditional sense of what we think we know as masculinity. And then just letting them know it's the same concept that we're talking about. Nobody's making it different. It's just that there's nuance to it that a lot of us don't discuss and don't understand. It's just your energy. Do people feel safe around you? Do they feel supported? Do they feel like they can come to you if they need your help? That is masculine and it can look so different to everybody else. It doesn't have to be that I do it a certain way and that Ben, you do it a certain way. And then, you know, Bob back home that's listening to this is doing it. So it is all the the physical manifestation of what that looks like is different for every single person. But I think guys in general, we put so much pressure on the physical aspect of providing money and protecting physically that we just forget about those important things that your family also needs, the emotional and mental support um, that, is is crucial in the home when you look out and you see your family that, that needs you in that sense. And you just kind of cop out and say, I'm bringing home money and I'm protecting you. What else do you need from me? These are the things that they need from you. They need that emotional and mental support and safety from you as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Their role isn't to bring you a beer from the fridge. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, if they do it, that's fine. But yeah, we're was, not going
0: to reject it, but that's not yeah. what you're looking forward to. It doesn't have to be the expectation. I, what I'd, I really liked about that was you really unpacked the idea of just being okay with who you are. And I think I don't know if you I've, if you've heard it or heard me say it or heard the statistic, but 22 veterans kill themselves every day, and the number is kind of widely debated. But even if it's five, it's still too much. And I think this identity, masculinity of who they are is something we lose. And in the military, it's one of the worst things that they do when they transition you out because they create you to be Superman. Mm-hmm. And society, in our culture, looks to us as Superman. When we wear that uniform, We're something special that inside civilians they wish they could be. We did something that somehow they weren't able to say yes to. And sure. then we go back off and take the uniform and then we're Clark Kent. Yeah. And we really spent no time in active duty even figuring out even the little pieces of who we are or even trying to create a plan of what we want to be on the other side. And in many times for me, I just started copying the blueprints around me of what the civilian people, but then that's how I just, I got lost. I was lost by for six years and through my trying to go back to school and dropping out of college of engineering, I went through a stage of just six months where I was like, my grass just dried up on the other side of the fence. I don't know what to do anymore. And it was, it was when my first daughter was born, so that was weighing on me. Like I would sit and look at her at night in the crib, and I'm just like, I don't know who I'm going to be for you. And it was a hard place to be. And luckily, through serendipity, I went through to a uh, leadership workshop that work sent me to, and essentially that leadership guy that was given the workshop sparked the fire back into me. And I'm like, this was all stuff I I know. This is all stuff I was already trained on. It was in the Marine Corps. The civilian side just dormanted it down because they don't trust you to run the comp or let alone run a team. And you did run a team in the military. And these are things that you're good at, but you're almost shunned to not be them because you're not the right age and you don't have the right experience, but at the same time you do, it's just not by the same measure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, no matter if it's
0: military or not,
1: when we go down a certain path of life, you end up building a skill set. And that skill set from the military side of things can be useful in, when you're deployed overseas or when you're uh, in, in active duty. But when you come home, what can you use that skill set for? And think about what your skills are, frankly, like writing them down and, and looking at them and saying, without judgment, without like, woe is me, I don't have all these skills or yada, yada, yada. Just write down what you know you can do for yourself, for other people. Um, what are some deliverables that you can put on, not necessarily put on a resume, but what are some things that you can actually say you do well? Um, the, re- the reason I say all of this is, you know, with, with myself, I'm not in the military, I never have been, but I have now been teaching high school for nine years. And the skill set that has been built in that time is educating and communicating ideas to people. I mean, I teach math. So trying to communicate math to high school students is difficult. Yes. <laughs> with, with, all, with all the variables in, involved, no pun intended, it, it can be a bit of a challenge. But growing that skill set has has only helped my career as a men's life coach because communicating difficult ideas like how to live your best life and how to open yourself up emotionally and how to – dig inside your mind and, and find those blocks that have been holding you back for years and years. These are things that when I'm in the middle of teaching, I don't think that I have. I don't consciously think like, oh, these are the, the things that I can use in a different arena. But now that I've gotten my feet wet with the coaching and really gotten down uh, you know, a certain distance down the path, I know that if I didn't teach for nine years, I wouldn't be nearly as good at the coaching thing as I am. So what I would encourage anybody that's, that's coming out of active duty and, and, you know, coming home and curious, like, what the heck do I do now? Take inventory of your skills. Also, take inventory of, of your interests, because I think if you are choosing things just based off skill set, you might go down a path a few miles and, and realize it doesn't bring you any kind of joy or anything like that. Something that I also kind of talk about with my guys is coming back to that emotional piece, of what are the the top three emotions that you wanna feel? And that takes some work to figure out what those are, but let's just say it involves joy and freedom and peace. If you can find something that triggers one of those three things in some way, then just chase it and run with it. If it involves your skill set and how you wanna feel when you get there, it can really create an amazing path for you. I mean, I'll just ask you, like, this whole podcast thing for you, it, I would assume it was something that you enjoyed doing, it, it was something that was interesting to you, and there was a skill set there. What would you say your skill set is with the, the podcasting thing?
0: Uh I would start with being drunk on curiosity because I have just over, I didn't realize it till like two years ago when I first heard follow your curiosity to find your passion. And I was mm-hmm. like, "Holy! this is what I've been doing all with all my life. I just keep following my curiosity and listening to podcasts for all these times. I was always intrigued by them and I'd actually lit the flame before I even had the podcast. Cause uh, there was a podcast movement uh, flyer in my Facebook Uh, feed in August of last year and I bought that ticket with no idea whether I would have one by the time it came around or whether I would already just go there to figure out what it was. I just planted the seed and and seen what that mind growed and then through just going through the process and going to another conference I figured it out and launched my podcast and now I'm going there in two weeks with the podcast and it really was more about the skills of what I've learned more was it opened doors to figure out how I liked connecting with people more and telling stories and just having conversations. And ultimately probably the biggest thing that scared me through all my life is talking to strangers that Mm -hmm. I went through my fear list and talking to strangers has always been the thing that scared the heck out of me that every girl or every person was a high school girl that was going to say no. And that (laughs) rejection scared me every time and I avoided it at every point I could. And just diving through that. And that's actually some of the best advice I give anybody really, or and transitioning is just figure out how to talk to strangers. Cause that's really where you're going to move your life forward.
1: Yeah. And I also will offer this, like as you go through the process of trying to figure out what that is, that's calling you forward, know that nothing's at stake. It's not all or nothing. It's not like you have to, you know, bet the farm on, on your next move. It's really just keep, you know, Finding those things that you know interest you, that you might have some kind of skill set in that could be useful. Trust your intuition as you get into that and know the difference between your intuition and your fear. Like if it's intuition, it's calling you towards something higher and it might scare you a little bit, but that's fine. If it's fear, it's probably trying to make you run from something that's unfamiliar. So just trusting the notion within your body that this is good, this feels right. I'm just gonna keep going in that direction. Like you just said, you bought tickets to something not knowing that you would have a podcast. It just felt like something that you wanted to do, could do, should do, and you just kind of planted your flag by buying that ticket. And all of the in-between stuff got figured out. But Mm -hmm. it, it took that decision of buying the ticket to kind of get some wheels turning and if you look at that on paper, it's maybe not the most rational decision to buy a ticket to something where you- No, I
0: made the decision about 10 minutes. I <laughs> so I didn't pause. Right. I didn't do any of it.
1: Sure. And that's beautiful because you trusted in yourself. Like, I don't know why, but this feels like the right thing to do. You did it. Cool. And leading up till that point, you know, all of the in-between stuff kind of gets figured out when you plant your flag in something that you think you believe in or you think that might be good for you and just- Take a step towards it. And if that step leads to another step, cool. If it doesn't, fine. Find something else to plant your flag in. But it's a matter of just understanding in that process, this is not all or nothing. This is not my last shot at anything. There are many, many opportunities, many ways for you know, whatever my passion, my purpose or anything like that can be to fall into my lap. Like When you, are, you know dropping out of college and, and all of that, would you have pictured yourself here?
0: No, I've I've absolutely none of the future that I have created right now was even remotely visible. I am trying to think of anything that was visible. I, if anything, the only thing that was visible was just continuing down the path that we had already talked about doing an eight to five job. And I remember a thought that uh, I blogged about a long time ago that was like, just getting caught up in like maybe all the stuff that people tell you that there's a, there's a higher purpose to life that you can do all this. That is just all BS that life was just meant to be an eight to five job and to keep your head down. And the rest of it is just a lie. Like those were the thoughts that were going through my head. Yeah. And it was really just continuing to keep swimming. as Dory says through (laughs) serendipity that eventually the door opened and that little, that one little class. And it was a $200 class making the transition from staff to supervisor but that guy literally opened a door that is now four years later led me to these, the moment here where I'm a completely different person.
1: Yeah, and it's because you kept swimming, <laughs> like, like Dory says, and there's so many people that uh, feel the way that you have felt where, where you kind of look around at people that are chasing this this thing that we call purpose and passion and fulfillment or whatever, and we say, oh, that's just, that's just BS. That's, that's not how it really works. But the way that I like to see that is there are people that actually get there, not get there in the sense that there's a final destination, but you can see and feel when you're around them that they are in it. So I don't see any human being as lucky or not lucky or like, oh, they got, they got the lucky break or whatever. It's just a matter of, I'm a human, you're a human, you did it, so I, can, I know that there's some potential within me that, that can be created. Um, we're, we're bound by the same set of physical laws. Right. And you know the only difference
0: is what well, between your two ears.
1: Well, yeah, people that try to convince themselves that other people had uh, a further head start, or uh, they were they were dealt a better hand, yada yada, like whatever restrictions you put on your life, or uh, you know whatever excuses you make for other people in terms of why they are further along than you are, those become your truth, those become your beliefs, and that's just going to be anchors that weigh you down as you try to create something in your life. So. You know, as you, you know, create or try to create something for yourself, know that it's not all or nothing. Know that there are many, many ways that you can get what you want. It doesn't have to be the one way that you currently think it is right now because there's so many guys that I talk to that like, I wanna make X amount of dollars or I wanna meet the love of my life or I wanna you know, start this business. And they have this goal and they think there's only one way. They have tunnel vision. This is the way that it's gonna happen and what I would encourage them and encourage anybody else that has kind of that mindset of like, I know this is the thing. Putting those blinders on is only going to block any other opportunity that might come your way. So yeah, trust in the next step and continue moving forward down the path that you think is the one that's going to work for you, but keep the blinders off, keep your awareness open, keep your head up and just kind of look around see if there's other opportunities that might either be better. Some might fall in your lap. You never know, but uh, it's, It can be a very kind of just open and and crazy thing in terms of creating what you want. It doesn't have to be linear and it doesn't have to be this is going to be the way that it, it happens. It can be just, you can get gifts along the way. You don't have to do it all yourself. You don't have to grind it out until you get there. There are many, many different ways that you
0: can get what you want out of life. You inspired a question and I'm going to push it back on you. It's going to cause you to dig a little bit deep. Uh, before your daughter was born, you had some version in your head of the life you have now probably, right? You had some dreams. They were already starting to happen. You were dealing with your things. You were starting to build the mentality. Yeah. And you had some, you probably were already accepting your emotions, working through them. But at the same time, when your daughter came, Mm -hmm. what was the most unexpected thing by allowing yourself to feel that love? that you weren't prepared for and how has that changed you today? So I would say the, the thing that my daughter
1: gifted me with, and I think it's, I say gift because I think it really has attributed to successes in my business in terms of it moving forward, was in the beginning of my business, I was trying to be someone that I wasn't. I was trying to be the, the men's coach that was a little more in your face. and I was trying to be more blunt and yada, yada, yada. But my gut, my core, my heart, I'm, I'm an emotional guy. And, um, you know, if you hear me ever talk about my wife or post about my wife or my daughter, like you can probably feel that. And I was kind of hit and miss about that in the beginning because I thought I had to be something else. But when my daughter was born, I couldn't physically cap my emotions anymore. I couldn't hold back and act as if I was this tough guy because just looking at her, knowing that one, she's my daughter, and two, the other half of her came from this other woman that I love, like all of that encompassing. And now she has like a personality and is running around the house and all of those things. Like the person that I, I was all along couldn't be caged anymore. So she gave me this gift of like not being able to hold back anymore and the more that I talk about and open up about being this emotional guy and knowing how powerful it can be for other men too because the guys that I work with it's not that I'm trying to get them to be more like me it's not like I'm saying like you got to be mushy you have to be a sap (laughs) that's not the point the point is the more that I feel how I want to feel, the better my life gets. And I knew from the start that love was a major, major driver for me, and that's why I felt so lucky to find my wife, and that's why like, staring at my daughter is just a beautiful thing for me. And for other guys, maybe it's not love that's top priority for them, and that's fine, but some of my clients like really value peace, or they really value freedom, or they really value um, joy. And if they're not actively creating that in their life on a day-to-day basis and sitting in that and really enjoying that emotion, that's when things get lost and you start doing things that aren't really you. You start kind of feeling adrift, you feel stuck because you're not doing things that spark who you really are. So I was so blessed when I have this daughter and I have this wife that I look at every day and I just wake up and love is around me. And love is like one of my top emotions. It's something that I know I need to feel. And if I don't feel it, I feel terrible. I feel off. So to the guy that's listening to this, think about what emotions drive you. Is it love? Is it freedom? Is it joy? Is it peace? and wake up tomorrow and decide to do something that will put you in that mood it doesn't have to be hard it doesn't have to be complex like please don't think that you have to take a day off of work to feel freedom you can you know take a longer lunch you can go out to lunch you can take a walk around your block when you get home instead of going right into the house like, there's so many different ways that you can engage with and embrace the emotions that you're meant to to feel and my daughter was just this serendipitous gift that was like I know you love love here's some more of it and I just wasn't allowed to hold back anymore because it wasn't like it wasn't possible so that was the biggest thing was um, not that it was a shocker I knew that I I would really fall crazy in love with this little girl but the way that it just opened me up and allowed me to stop acting like this wasn't who I was um, was a beautiful beautiful thing
0: It reminds me of that I think military veteran dads suffer from this, that we spend a huge amount of energy trying to be someone. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, when we do receive the love from our kids, it's a perfect reminder that we are enough exactly who we are right now. No matter what other gap you have, whatever area of life you're still trying to overcome, whatever thing in your past that you're still working through, it doesn't matter to them. At this Mm -hmm. moment right now, you're exactly what they need and what they want. And yep. that's perfect with what in just being accepting that is the gift that kind of lets you give yourself the freedom to let go of all that emotion and anxiety from the lack of control, because you don't have to control it. They all, you can just show up and poof, you've just made their day. Yeah.
1: And, and the, the enoughness is something that I deal with a lot with my clients too. And I actually tell them to think of it in reverse like looking at their kid. I mean, you just said that, you know, when you're with your children and they look at you and they don't see your baggage and your flaws and all of those things, they just see dad. That's an amazing gift. But also what I ask my my clients to do is in terms of you not feeling enough, look at your kid. Is there anything that they need to do to get your love, to get your acceptance, to get your appreciation? Like, they were born and that was already built into them, right? They didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to go out and get a big job. They didn't have to build you a house. Like it was just, they came into the world with your DNA inside of them. And all of a sudden they were enough. And to the guy that's listening to this, you were the same way when you came into this world, you were enough, the packaging was there. There was nothing else that you needed to do, needed to have, needed to create. It was just, you were a human being and you were enough. But we just grow up and we, we go through the adult phases of taxes and bills and, you know, jobs and for the military dads, like deployments and all of that, that kind of beat all of that out of our system that we were born with this this enoughness that was so clear to our parents, but we just lose it over time. And as a parent now, I can look at my daughter and be like, yeah, you're good. <laughs> you don't have to do anything. You're good. Like you're enough. Therefore, if you are my offspring and you are enough when you were born I would assume that that's the same thing that I had when I was born, and I just trust in the fact that that's still there. Matter mm-hmm. of, I've, I've lost sight of that over time. So it's like, it's a beautiful mirroring effect of what you said versus what, the way that I kind of come across it too. Like that relationship of father to, to their kid, it can be a beautiful way to experience that enoughness because it's just, I'm here, we're hanging out in the same room, we don't have to do anything and I'm okay. Um, so yeah, it's amazing.
0: And it's just, uh, it's perfect to just reflect of being enough, but at the same time, just letting go. And I think that's what we're both saying. And both sides of that. I love those analogies there. As we wrap up this episode, what is a parting piece of advice, the best piece of advice you've learned in your six months, 16 months as a dad that, has let you come home to her even more? Um,
1: man. It's
0: speechless. You were not speechless the entire conversation.
1: I know. It's hard. And she's, it's, it's just a, a loaded question. I guess it's, it's, there's so many things that I have learned from her, learned about myself through her. I think one of the biggest things, and I think any dad can can say this as well, is just time flies and trying to be present and appreciative of, of this season of her life. It's it's a practice that I'm actively trying to embrace. But you know, you look back at old pictures and like, oh man, I remember this. My one of my best friends. Just had a, a daughter of his own about a month ago and we went to visit them and I met her and holding her while like looking out of the corner of my my daughter who's walking around and saying things and like just how quickly they grow up and they change and they become these little humans that start saying things and um they are the the most amazing reminder of presence that i've ever had um because, yeah, you're just seeing how important it is to actually be here and appreciate things uh, in real time because you're you're watching this timeline fly by. Whereas like when it's you, when it's yourself and you're thinking about your life, of course you can think that it flies by because it was you, sure. But when you're watching another human do that, it's it's crazy. So that was, I would say that's been the the biggest thing. Her biggest reminder to me is like, just be here. Don't be on Facebook posting stuff all day long. Like be here, and I struggle with that, but <laughs> it's uh, it's something that I I try to embrace as best I can.
0: You inspired something, and I've never told you this, so I'm gonna uh, tell you something that you've said a long time ago, but you have no idea how it impacted me. Okay. That it was in your, last September. It was your 30 days of Facebook lives, I believe. That was the right month, right? You did mm-hmm. it in September. Yep. I think it was like September 28th and you did one on the seasons of, of the the weather and the yep. seasons of life. And I can't tell you how many times I have used that analogy to say not yet to something. Because mm-hmm. so many times there's you can just get caught up in trying to do everything and download your life now to where you want it to be. But when you've, you frame in that question that you gifted me way back last September, I have gone slower in my podcast. I have let things go. I've been more and more comfortable with my podcast because I've always said, and based on your analogy of it is, this is the season of life I'm in and I'm not going to sacrifice certain things to make the season any less impactful than it is with my attention. And just because I want to do something now is if it's not the right season, it's a different season. When my kids don't want to hang out with me, yeah, I could travel more and go sure. do more public speaking. But yeah. that really gifted me the ability to just say not yet to many of the things I want to do being ambitious and just put them into a different season of life. Well, that's beautiful, man. I, I really appreciate you sharing that with me. I mean, I haven't heard you say it much. Anything, if anything, you've really held back on that advice. I don't think I maybe, I don't know if I can't even say how many times I've heard you say it, but that's the old last time I remember it being as impactful as <laughs> uh, as it was. Well, the way that I've come across it most
1: recently, and I say come across this because I'm always reading and taking things in, and I think it applies too, is, is that nature never rushes, right? Like it's always doing its thing. And we forget that we are a part of said nature. Like we are not a separate entity. We are living on this world that is natural and we are also natural beings. And I, I guess I find it interesting and don't don't get me wrong. Like I'm an imperfect human being, so I also try to rush things and push things and push the limits. And these are good for growth and these are good for expansion, obviously. But there are definitely seasons of of the year. Physically, there are seasons of our life, and you know, I'm currently in a season of, of being a, a newish dad and, and trying to figure all of that out. And who knows what the next five years will will have for me? I don't even. I was thinking about this the other day. Oh, I know. I was thinking about it because. I think it was July 24th. It had been five years since I proposed to my wife. And just thinking about everything that has happened in five years. When I proposed to my wife, I didn't want or need to be a life coach. I didn't have this insight of of reading. I didn't read anything at that time. (laughs) It was after I had gotten married that I kind of looked around and was like, I want to make sure that this is the best thing that I've ever done was being a good husband and then eventually a good dad. And things just spiraled like I can't sit here and say like in five years, this is where it's going to be. It's just a matter of being here and trusting that whatever I want to do or feel like I need to do in this moment is going to serve the next one and so on and so on. Um, Because that's how nature works. It's just little things after another and it grows and expands. And yeah, so
0: I, I really, really appreciate that you still have the memory of, of that little, I, I I really feel it was like September 28th. It was like the last few days of your September. I was actually thinking it was October, but then I was like, no, it was this 30 days of lives. I think maybe I it was October. Like I felt like it was October 10th was my gut, but I erred on the September lives that you did. I, but like, I that's did. how impactful it was because I was, it's sh- shaped my decision-making ever since. Well, that's, that's beautiful. And
1: I, uh, that's that's amazing hearing it back. So, yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. And I hope anybody that else else that is listening to this hears that and is like, oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't have to rush as much. Maybe I should just be present with my family and enjoy that and know that, you know, there will be a time to, to spring into action, if you will. Um, there are the
0: forever contract, and that's the season that always matters most.
1: That's right.
0: I like that. So, Nick, you have offered our listeners a – free workshop, correct? That is true. Yes. Um,
1: It's called the Emotionally Successful Workshop. Now, I don't want you to hear the word success and think that this is not for you because it's really more about getting in touch with your emotional self so that you can bring your best emotional state to whatever you're doing, whether that is pursuing, quote unquote, success, or trying to be more present with your family at home. It's an hour long, and all it really is is me giving you the foundation that I give all my clients, which is, let's figure out what is, what means something to you emotionally. Is it that love that really drives you? Is it the joy that drives you? Do you wanna feel free? And when you figure out what that emotional state is and start to live in that emotional state, the way that I kind of come across it in the in the workshop is that everybody's heard the quote, dress for the job that you want, not the one that you have. and. The way that I like to use this idea of emotions is, if you know how you want to feel when you get to where you wanna be, whether that is in family life or in business or in health and fitness or whatever, when you know how you wanna feel when you get there and you start to actively feel that way every day by doing things that engage that, that emotion, you begin to live in that emotional state similar to someone who's dressing for the job they want, you're living in the state that you want. And when you do that over and over again, it starts to harden into a reality that becomes the, the person that you are. So I use this emotional concept to not so much just feel good, but feel good with the intention of allowing that to create more amazing things in your life. So this workshop is, it's really my gift to anybody that really wants to dig into their emotional side, knowing that their emotional state will produce their success, whether that is success in family, success in fitness, success in business. So yeah, anybody that's listening to this that would like to to grab their access uh, to that workshop, you can check it out in the show notes and let me know what you think. I would love to, to hear what you guys uh, have in mind after listening to it, watching it, because it's... It's been really really cool to use it with all my clients but putting it in the hands of people that aren't necessarily doing it with me uh, i would love to hear some feedback so that is my free gift to anybody that's listening that wants to dig into to my work because that's kind of the foundation the building blocks of everything that i do
0: and i'll include all of your socials in the show notes but i would recommend your instagram because i feel like like somehow you find the time in the in the busy in the summer you you have you have the time but in the rest of the year somehow you find the time i'm like I see a post from you and I'm like, doesn't this guy ever teach? He's supposed to be a teacher and somehow it's the middle of the day and he doesn't look like he's a teacher right now in his clothes. So Instagram is really where I've, uh, I randomly will see your stuff the most in your stories and posts just in general. So I would recommend anybody that wants to get more Nick, Nick, Nick Maytash to drop on his Instagram that I'll have in the show notes as well. Awesome. I just wanna
1: share a quick story about why I'm so free during the day. <laughs> Because it does apply to the emotionally successful workshop and stuff that I do with myself, with my clients. So the the way that I was just kind of describing it is when you show up with the emotion that you want to feel and create, you eventually create that existence in your life. So I'm a teacher and teachers obviously are working, you know, during the school year from let's say eight to three. And one of my big emotions that I really want to feel when I think about my big goals, whether that be, you know, the lake house that I want to enjoy with my family vacations and so on. Freedom tends to be the big emotion that comes up for me. So I am intentional every single day about doing something that makes me feel free, whether that's going for a run by myself, or um, just spending some time out on our back deck, reading a book, something like that. So I'm always doing something that evokes this emotion of, of freedom. So I did that, probably i mean every day for a year or so and when i was home on paternity leave uh, when lucy was born they told me that i was going to be traveling between two high schools the following year now when you travel between schools what happens is they remove any administrative duties that you would have had otherwise so study halls get cut out lunchroom duty gets cut out and it really opens up your schedule because they allocate that time for you to be traveling between the schools. The schools are like two minutes away from each other.
0: So so common sense
1: was also allocated out. <laughs> that it's like so, two. Uh, well, all I'm saying is I was very conscious and intentional about feeling freedom every day. And then lo and behold, my school district says, hey, we need somebody to travel between two buildings. Yes, you're gonna have to travel between the buildings, but it is gonna free up your schedule. So I end up getting more free time during my day than, than most teachers do. I get to get out of the building, which is also a form of freedom. And it just, it produced the actual result of freedom in my day where I do have more time to like get on social that media. That makes
0: perfect yeah. sense now.
1: So it, it, it the the active and, and intentional way of feeling how I wanted to feel created this actual reality. And my job didn't change. Like I didn't get, you know, I didn't quit my job so that I felt more freedom. My job was still intact. It just gave me a different form of that and that's why I'm more you know, active on social media than probably most teachers during the day. But it's, it's because, at least this is how I choose to believe it, because it was something that I had control over. It was my active embracing of freedom, doing it every single day, making sure I was trying something that would evoke that emotion. And then I get this gift from my school district saying, we need you to travel, which a lot of people don't want to do because it feels out of their comfort zone, out of their familiar zone. And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? And it turns out they cut out anything that's not teaching. So I have more time during my day to, yes, do teaching things, but it also frees up more time to. I don't think you've ever shared that story. No, I haven't because I, I don't want my school district to watch my Facebook. True,
0: <laughs> true. That's a good point that you wanted to keep it a secret. And it's at the but, end of the podcast episode, just so no one, very few people stay into the end. So. Sure. Uh, I mean, there will be a time where I kind of, I will probably open up a little bit more
1: about it, but it's something I share with my clients often because we get into this work and I'm like, yeah, go and feel joy every day. They're like, why? All right, let me tell you a story about how, <laughs> I, story. how I felt freedom and it created freedom. And I continue to do that and it will continue to create more freedom and who knows what capacity or form that will be in. But uh, that's that's the angle that I take and it's been something that's been a gift for me. So I, I give that to my clients as well.
0: It reminds me of a story I've been rehearing two times now, just in the last few episodes, that uh, families that are active duty and their husband gets deployed, so if their emotion is to be feel connected and if, as a family, the family travels with them. And that was something I never really heard anybody really do. So like if they're stationed in Japan, they'll travel to Japan. If they're TAD somewhere in the United States, the whole family goes. And they'll create this life to invoke that emotion up together. And it's not something they choose to deal with being separated. They'll find a way to make it happen
1: that's really cool i like that
0: well nick i really appreciate you coming on the podcast tonight and i know we brought some dads home with this and hopefully we turned the key on a few emotions for people to start processing some things and to let go of that anxiety that sometimes prevents us from being the dads we need to be and are called to be and hopefully can bring a few dads home yeah
1: i I hope so too and um As as always, you know, you'll drop my social stuff in the the show notes, but uh, any feedback, anything that you guys want to ask me further, please feel free to reach out and check out the Emotionally Successful Workshop because I promise you, if you spend the hour to just get to know me through that, I promise you, you'll at least get an idea of how you want to feel and then you get the chance to to do that every day and, you know, amazing things can happen from there.
0: All right. Have a good night. All right. See you, then. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show, and I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it, and you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home.